You are listening to Unified Through Chronic and Mental Illness with your hosts, Angie Roberts and Kimberly Murphy. Please be advised that some of the topics of this podcast can be triggering and sensitive in nature. 90% of people living with lupus are women. Most people with lupus develop the disease between the ages of 15 and 44. Hey, Spoonies and Mental Health Warriors. Welcome to another episode of Unified. I'm Kimberly Murphy here with Angie Roberts. Hey, y'all. And today we're talking about lupus. Um, October is Lupus Awareness Month in the UK, and we have a guest here to talk about how crucial it is to get involved in advocating for a cure. Um, A lot of people really have no idea what lupus is, so I'm just going to throw a couple of things out and hope that something sticks with our listeners. There are four types of lupus, systemic, which accounts for about 70% of all cases. And you can find all this information and more at lupus.org, but it attacks the kidneys, heart, lungs, brain, joints, eyes, vascular, pretty much any major organ or tissue in the body. And there's also cutaneous, which is like discoid lupus, and it affects your skin. Drug-induced lupus, which affects about 10% of all people. And it's caused by meds to treat high blood pressure or hypertension, irregular heart rhythms, or tuberculosis. So the majority of people who have that type of lupus are men. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And mm-hmm. the last type. I want some of those. Okay. <laughs> the last type is, and it'll resolve itself if they go off the medication, which is good news for them. Um, oh, and then finally, there's neonatal, where the mother's antibodies attack the fetus, but the lupus will resolve itself six months after the birth with no lasting effects, which is good. Wow. That's amazing. That's great. Though. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's four types of lupus and most people don't realize that 89%, right, that. right. 89% of people with lupus say they can no longer work full time due to lupus complications. Only 31% of people with lupus can't work at all, but that's still a lot of people, 89% and then 31 that cannot work at all. of people die, which I think that number is actually higher because it was explained to me that when somebody passes away, let's say you have a heart attack and it's due to your lupus disease. That's the cause of the heart issue, right? But if you die of a heart attack, it's most likely going to say that's the cause of death rather than the actual disease lupus. So um, sometimes they don't like sometimes they don't put the underlying cause. Exactly. So these, that number could be a little low. Um, I know that in the groups that I've been in, it it happens a lot often, unfortunately. Um, 65% of people with lupus say chronic pain is the most difficult part. And 76% of lupus patients say fatigue caused by lupus has forced them to cut back on all social activities. Wow. So I hope all of that is just enough to create enough interest to see, to say, okay, yeah, we need to cure this. It affects life in a major way. Um, I really hope that this interview will inspire people. I know that the first move coming up is awesome. So let's just get to it. So today we have a really special guest who decided to shine a light on lupus and make a real difference but in a way that's completely unique. Lakasha Lee is the founder of the first lupus sorority, Lambda Sigma Sigma Lupus Sorority. Welcome to Unified, Lakasha. We are so happy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. (laughs) 
Now, I love the motto that you guys have. They have a motto. Okay. And mm -hmm. it's together helping exceptional ladies impacted by lupus who inform, educate, and support. And it's called, you're going to love this, the lilies. Isn't that I awesome? That is so beautiful. When I, I that, love I like, it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So the first question we obviously have for you is what inspired you to form your, this sorority? And what was your own experience with lupus? Because I'm sure those two questions probably go together. Yes, they do. Um, well, I am a member of another Greek lettered organization, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Mm -hmm. We are the mm -hmm. third largest African-American based sorority founded in 1920 on the, on the campus of Howard University. And with me being a Diamond Life member, I've been a member for over 20 years now. Mm, that's wonderful. And attending, and I'm still active now. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, attending various lupus events and lupus walks, I didn't see a lot of Greek organizations present mm -hmm. um, as I would at maybe the Breast Cancer Walk or March of Dimes. Um, so I really felt that because it's a sorority and it's uh, African-American based, mm -hmm. You know, by me being African-American and most of my members are African-American because, you know, of all of us have lupus. Right. So I kind of felt that why doesn't the other, you know, black Greek organizations, as far as the sororities, why aren't they, you know, honing in on, on this particular disease that really right. affects primarily women of color? Right. So with that being said, um, I, I, then I got a lot of, you know, um, questions while I was out there, you know, saying that they, people had never had joined, joined a sorority or they always wanted to join one, but they couldn't because, you know, lupus had affect them via financially or right. physically or because, you know, they got shunned away, turned down, you know, uh, huh. with membership from the organizations. Mm -hmm. So I was literally sitting on my bed just thinking and it just popped in my head and I literally just wrote everything out like in like in a day. Wow. And I'm such an acronym person. I, I love acronyms. <laughs> so, so the lilies was. I and love that. I wanted us to be lilies. So I wanted us to be a flourishing, beautiful flower. Right. Yes. People with lupus don't feel beautiful. Mm -mm. No, they, they don't feel beautiful. And I wanted them to feel as though that they are beautiful inside and out. You may have a rash, you may have scars, but our scars makes us beautiful. Our right. scars make us lovely. And so that's why we have another saying, so lovely to behold, because you're seeing me, you're seeing my face, you see me and you may see the scars but i'm still lovely on the inside i'm still i radiate loveliness on the outside you know that's exactly beautiful. that is beautiful that is beautiful um so i am almost afraid to ask what the mission of your group is cuz what you just said was so powerful and you <laughs> if you could encompass it into a mission statement i can only imagine how um amazing that is but what is like the primary mission of your group well, just to break it down, our mission is to um, advocate and support men and women, all people with lupus. And it just basically just circumfer circumferences, you know, what, what an advocate is. Mm -hmm. And that's just pretty much, you know, what it is. You know, we're 
We're just here to, you know, to support and advocate, you know, like I said, for all people with lupus. Um, we volunteer, we raise funds, and we support various lupus advocacy organizations. So that, that's what we do. Our goal is to find a cure. Our goal is to mm. um, not really help as far as a resource goes, where some may, ha- there are other organizations who may help you with funding for your medicines mm-hmm. or to help you with, you know, um, to get back and forth from the doctor. Right. So your organization or your um, sorority group basically would raise money for those organizations to be able to help those people. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. That is and, wonderful. And, prim- and oh. primarily to find the cure. So a lot of our monies go towards lupus research. Mm, Which is amazing because we really need, <laughs> yes. we yes. really need the attention and we really need the, the time. Um, I, agree I do. I did want to ask you, um, are you guys recognized by the Greek Council? just out of curiosity? So we're a non-collegiate Greek uh, organization, Mm -hmm. which means that you don't have to be, you know, in college or college affiliated to be a Mm -hmm. member. So we have people who've never been to college. Oh, okay. And we have people who have been to college and graduated. So so it's pretty much organizations such as, uh, they call it NCGLOs, non uh, collegiate Greek letter organizations. Mm -hmm. And those are primarily for, you know, people who are adults who wanted to join organizations, but couldn't in college Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. maybe didn't complete college because with most, or, uh, um, fraternities and sororities, you have to, um, after you graduate college, um, then you can join. Mm -hmm. But some people never graduated as far as the, what we call the divine nine, which right. our, our organization is a part of. And uh, so that's our Greek council that we have. Mm-hmm. And so in order to um, join, you either have to be in college or graduate college. Oh, okay. okay. And so the NCGLOs give people who haven't been to college or graduate college a chance to do so. And that's, that's awesome. And I mean, I know it's a really long process to actually have a sorority. And so the fact that you created the first lupus sorority for women. I wanted people out there to realize this wasn't just some like quick, easy thing to put together. You put a lot of time into this and this is a really big deal. Um, Yes, yes, I did. Yes, yes, Um, I did. And a lot of my own money too. Right. And you you all do a lot (laughs) to help the actual directly help the community too, even though you're helping other organizations. Mm -hmm. Do you have chapters throughout the United States or are you centralized somewhere? Yes, we do. We uh, our latest chapter is our I think our ninth chapter, mm-hmm. and it's in Houston. Nice. Okay. So we're okay. from. We have a chapter. Our furthest north. I mean, furthest east chapter is New York, all the way to Houston. Wow. Some yeah. in the south. Yep. So okay. I'm very proud of that. Very very proud. Uh, that's amazing. That's really amazing. That's wonderful. It is. Um, that's a huge accomplishment. I'm sure that uh, <laughs> you must have been so incredibly proud to see the numbers yes. grow and have yeah. everybody get together towards the same goal. I mean, so many things can happen if people just put their time in and put their heads together and do the work. Yeah. And that that's the key word, doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I am a very strict person <laughs> right? <laughs> um, when it comes to actually the work part. Right. Because with any Greek letter organization, you find people 
who want to join just for the sake of wearing the letters on their chest or just to say that they're part of a sorority. Mm-hmm. And those people, I tell them in the beginning, you know, you won't last long here because I do demand a lot of you. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you're here to do the work, then you should be doing the work. Generally speaking, what would you have them do? As opposed to, <clears throat> excuse me, a traditional um, organization, which will which will have you doing something maybe once a month at least. Right. In the mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, my own chapter in my other organization, every week there's something going on. Every week. Nice. So, but with this organization, um, I didn't set it up to be so much work per se, mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. doing extra stuff, like extra stuff out there. Right. Um, because I do some of that stuff like toy drives and um, coat drives and toiletry drives and all that. I do all that stuff in my other organization. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do it twice. <laughs> with this one. If I create it, I want to make it easy, right. streamlined to the point. Right. And so oh. you guys, but you guys are all involved in like the walks, yes. marathons, all that stuff, right? Yes. Yes. So we do the walks, which is pretty much is, is a basic, you know, requirement of members because, you know, the, the lupus walks are, you know, they're in your city, you know, or if, you, if it's none in your city, what I suggest that members do is you start one, mm-hmm. contact a local um, lupus organization and say, hey, I want to either collaborate. Or can you assist me mm-hmm. into a hosting one, you know? Right. And that's what we mean by the work. You know, we have people right. who are out there in different areas who are by themselves. That is not, you know, that doesn't have a chapter, mm-hmm. but they are affiliated with the closest chapter. So if they're in a small town and, you know, the nearest chapter is, you know, maybe could be a state away. Mm-hmm. then they will have to go to that state and, and travel and, you know, and participate with that chapter. And or, do you have people yeah. that do that? Do you have people that actually like yes. travel from state to state? Yeah. Yes, we do. Yes, oh, we wow. Do. That's amazing. Wow. We, we, this is I, awesome. I'm just going to say, <laughs> <Right>. sorry. <laughs> I'm <laughs> stunned. Like I haven't I, asked you I, question. <laughs> I was too. I, I, when I first created this organization, I looked at it from a standpoint of, these women, you know, they don't have, they may not have the funds, they, they may not want to travel. So it was really, it was very, very minimum, a very minimum process. Some of them, I said, if you want to be an honorary member, you can. Some of them said, no, I want to be a member. Uh-huh. So, so my first group was 17 women. Uh-huh. My second group was 37. Wow. wow. Yes, and that's from all across the country. Wow. So I was very pleased that these women entrusted this stranger. Kind of lead the whole situation, lead the entire group in a, in a sense and and guide them into what they're doing, right? Because basically yes. you oversee all the activity. Yes, yes, right. yes. Um, with chapters, I let them do their own thing. But as far as, as a sorority, um, I and my executive board, we come together. I do spearhead a lot of the ideas and some of them figure well, it was easier for her to say yes. You know, just to keep it, if the ideas out there is good. Let's just run with it. You know, it's just it's amazing because it's like, mm-hmm. I, I know that Angie is probably getting chills like I am because it's like, this is 
this is women power, like right here. Yes. We're seeing it, guys. It is. <laughs> it's great. Yes. Yes. When yes. women get together for a cause, they're really unstoppable. And people think they can't make a difference, but they really can. I'm yes. sure that you guys have done a major difference um, and have a presence out there in, in the lupus community, which is helpful to so many people, really. Um, yeah. It we, makes we me try. happy to know that there's people out there that, that are passionate about finding a cure. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing, you know, um, a lot of loopies, you know, have a lot going on. So, you know, there, there, there is a strong need for advocates. Mm-hmm. And, and we have this other uh, little mantra on the battlefield to find a cure mm-hmm. because and we call ourselves lupus soldiers. Right. So we, we wear fatigue pants and because we feel we are on the battle. This, this is a war, you yeah. know. Fighting lupus is a war. It absolutely and is. We feel that being, you know, on the battlefield, meaning that we're out there, we're in the, you know, we're at the lupus walk, the um, uh, forums, educational forums, you know, we're at the lupus summits. Uh, we did the lupus summit in Washington uh, in 2019, and we were on those steps That's at the Lupus Foundation of America uh, mm-hmm. summit, advocacy, the advocacy day summit. That's awesome. Yes, we were on those stairs. Yes, mm-hmm. we were. And when we went there, um, you know, we had our our shirts on with the glitter letters, like you see in the picture. Right there. I love it. <laughs> it's and, really uh, nice. That's the thing too. I said glitter. Glitter makes everybody look. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> so, glitter is my favorite color. Mine too. <laughs> right. So with the glitter, then the hot pink, you know, purple. Right. Do purple. purple was a given. Right? Right. Right. Oh yeah, purple you have to have purple. Right. So <laughs> we went into that that uh that uh hotel and we went into that you know, the lobby area and they had all the vendors and everything and it was eight of us and people were looking at us like, who is these women in these glittery shirts? <laughs> but then when they saw and read what our shirts said, they were like, whoa, right. Like, lupus sorority. And so even people today still say, I've never heard of a lupus sorority. So it's like, I had never know, heard of a lupus sorority. There is only one. Is there only one or are there more now? Um, unfortunately, <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are now others, so we no, no longer have the pleasure of saying we're the only. Okay, but, but you we were can the never first. Take away the fact that we are the first. That's right, right. and that matters. Yes. yes. So, okay. So we, we also had, I know we talked to you earlier and we said, we're going to throw a couple of strange questions at you because we know that you have so much interaction with different women in the lupus community. So, Mm -hmm. um, based on what you've observed, what would you say the biggest struggle, um, with living with lupus is what is the biggest struggle on a daily basis for most people? I see a lot of women saying they do not have the support that they need and that their families just can't relate their, you know, friends Mm -hmm. just can't relate, Mm -hmm. you know, and second, of course, is the physical, you know, aspects of it, but it is really socially isolating. I, I definitely can relate and, and say, yes, I do think that is also for me, one of the strongest um, struggles is the isolation that the disease can cause so unpredictably. So, and that's the hard part. 
-hmm. I don't have lupus, so, but I can kind of like understand that from fibromyalgia point of view, because mm -hmm. people just don't get <laughs> right. Yeah. Other they don't understand. Don't yeah, they want I, to, but they don't. Right. Yeah. Um, and okay. So you can't get a bunch of women together without at least talking about men a little bit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Where is she going with this one? Um, how has, how has lupus affected the relationships of the women in your sorority? Cause I know it's kind of a big deal. There's like, there's some people who have the support they need. And then there's others where their relationships just fall apart. Um, I'm sure that you've seen some of that firsthand, but um, how, how exactly has it affected the relationships of the women that you know? Well, for majority of them, um, I would say most of them have healthy relationships. Mm, mm -hmm. that's, that's good. Um, yeah. I'm kind of jealous because I'm trying to find <laughs> But <laughs> hey, we're on the same page uh, there. But but I don't have one for a different reason. That's just the whole, it's, it's not lupus related. I tell you that. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. But and uh, so a lot of them have husbands who are caring and loving, and um, you do have well, you know, men are men. You know, if you're not what you were when they married you, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, they they're gone. You mm -hmm. know, so it, it's really a kind of a given. I think some men um, who want the easy way out will use, oh, you have lupus and you can't do X, Y, Z anymore. You know, they use that as an excuse to to leave when they right. really want to leave for something else anyway. Yeah, right. it's got to yeah. be an underlying thing. I agree with mm -hmm. you there. I've been in a relationship for 24 years. Um, and yeah, if, if my husband said he's leaving because of lupus, I would know it was something else. <laughs> Else entirely. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I have a um I have a question because I was kind of interested in um pregnancy and lupus. So have you or anyone have y'all been, you know, when you got pregnant, how is it when you're pregnant? Like with fibromyalgia, a lot of times you go into remission. So how is it with lupus? Well, uh, we did have uh, one uh one of our members, you know, was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, her child was a preemie. And oh. from my understanding that uh, several women with lupus, um, they they go into childbirth, I mean, uh, give birth early. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you know anybody that or have you uh, what it was like growing up with lupus or with someone with lupus? Did your mom have lupus or anybody, you know, like, was it hard? Would it be yeah, hard? it tends to run in family. So, right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, but see, this is the thing. I don't know where I got it from. Right. Uh, yeah, they say that it could come from environmental or, you know, mm -hmm. it can be hereditary. But yeah. mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we really don't know right. how we get it. I think it'd be interesting to have lupus and have a parent that has it as well. I'm sure if there's anybody listening that has that situation, please let us know on our page because we'd love to know what it was like um, yeah. living in that situation. And it's probably rare, but I'm sure that you um, had no, to help your mom and the parents. Yeah. yeah. You know what? It's not. Cause I, I did ask that question mm -hmm. on our page. Um, do anyone, do anyone's kids have lupus as well? Right. Oh, and okay. A lot of them do. I was so surprised. A oh, lot wow. of them do. Yeah. But as far as me, my, myself, um, mm -hmm. When um, I had signs of it, I can remember, you know, once I got diagnosed, I, I can 
I went back in my thoughts and recalled around how old I was. So I think I was about like 17, 16, 17 mm-hmm. when I started getting signs because my fingers were turned blue. Oh, like a bluish right. purple, my fingertips. Yep. And that's when I would knew because I, I can tell when it was like 60 degrees. Mm-hmm. My fingers would turn blue at 60 degrees. And I was like, okay, it's like 60 degrees. And they would look at it like, yeah, it is. So my fingers would get cold. and But I didn't have any fatigue. No fatigue. And, um, and I didn't have my first flare um, until I was, when I, got, when I got diagnosed in 1999. So I was 28. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was because I had the flare because I was up 24 hours. Um, I had went to a club <laughs> and uh, we were going out of town uh, that next morning. Mm-hmm. So, and I had to pick up some of my fraternity brothers. And so, um, you know, cause they were, you know, we were all, you know, caravanning down. And so I went to pick them up, you know, right after the party, went to pick them up <laughs> and I was still woke. And so when I got to my hotel, so this was like maybe seven in the morning, Mm-hmm. And I went to sleep and took a nap. And when I woke back up, I got out of bed and I fell on the floor. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. And I didn't know what it was. But it was a low, low budget hotel. So I didn't have far to fall. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but I fell on the floor and I got up and I was like, wow. So my legs wasn't working. They were kind of like weird feeling and like wow. Like, you know, so I just got back in bed, you know, laid back down again. And then, um, you know, when I woke up again, I was refreshed. I woke up, I got up, you no, know, I took my time getting up this time, but I got up and I went on with the weekend. But because it was weird, I went to the doctor that Monday to our local uh, hospital and um, they did some tests and then um, they called me. So they first thought I had arthritis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so right. days later, you know, they called me in. They told me I had lupus. Mm-hmm. This is at our Cook County Hospital. Um, so it's like one of the leading, like it's like a teaching hospital. So it's a, you know, it's a big hospital. Here right. In Chicago. Right. So, yeah. So uh, when I hear other people talking about, oh, it took five years for me to get diagnosed and all these years, you know, and I was like, well, it's only, they only took, you know, my blood and that was it it was well if you if you count the time it it started that's a long time but yeah I hear what you're saying well I wanted to ask you though when you Mm -hmm. first got diagnosed were you just kind of like diagnosed and sent on your way or did you were you offered some sort of support did they suggest a counselor like how did they handle that with you so the doctor told me you know so it, it was like an ER type doctor Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a doctor, doctor. Like I didn't go to the rheumatologist clinic, you know, right? Because so, I came in through the ER, you know. So mm-hmm. the ER called me back, and so they told me I had lupus. So the doctor was like, "Okay, you have lupus. So we have one medication called this, that, and the other. It's gonna make you. It's gonna mess with your eyesight. The other one is gonna make you gain weight." So <laughs> and I you're like, "Great." Right. So I told them, him being the vain person that I am, I don't want to go blind and I want to be blind and fatter. So no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> no, it's, 
Is that the Plaquenil? Plaquenil, yeah, the Plaquenil. Plaquenil and the hydro prednisone. So you had, yeah, okay, because we were going to ask about that. So I, yeah, I said no. I told him no. I did not want that. I was thinking about my vanity. And I said, Girl, no. I so you really didn't get a whole lot of education either, basically no. is what I'm hearing. Because yeah. it was the same for me. It's like, you have lupus, take these pills. I'll see you in a month. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible, guys. Yeah. Did anybody in your group have uh, issues with their eyes taking the Plaquenil? Um, not that I know of. No one is, you know, suffering from cataracts, you know, at least you know, bad enough to have surgery, anything that I know of. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of us and we share a lot. So that would have been something that would have right. came up. But one surgery has been common mm-hmm. is um, like uh, bone replacements, um, uh, hip and, you know, hip and from all the prednisone. Yeah. Hip and knee replacements. Um, really? What else? Yeah. Um, um, from taking the prednisone? Yeah, it, it like weakens your bone density severely. Yeah. Wow. See, yeah. I didn't know that. I yeah. know uh, when they injected it. So I didn't think about when you take it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All your bones. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's, the, that's the common, most common thing that, that all of us kind of have shared. Not all of us, but, you know, quite a few of us. The most common thing, I mm-hmm. should say. A couple of us have kidney issues. Two of us had uh, transplants. Wow. I'm so there's a lot. Recipient myself. Oh, are you? I was oh. this for eight years. Kidney? Yes, kidney. Mm-hmm. So I, oh, wow. I, I kind of want to ask you a question. Oh, <laughs> oh now Because she's like, book. don't I'm do it. Book. Did you hear about this story about the woman who is able to get a kidney transplant and her friend wants to donate it to her, but they're fighting with the hospital because neither of them have had the vaccine? So this is like a new story and everybody's kind of like on two sides of the fence, not just because of the vaccine issue, but because of the whole issue with how transplants work. I'm sure you had to go through a rigorous um, Mm -hmm. checklist to get the kidney that you got. Yes, I did. So how, how do you feel about this whole thing of adding the COVID shot to that? Or you can not comment if you don't want to. (laughs) In my opinion, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, if they're tested for COVID prior to and, and isolated, right. I I would say, let them do it. That that makes sense. That makes sense to me too. Yeah. Yeah, just, Just isolate it. Isolate them both. Right, right. Yeah, it's not like you're taking somebody's kidney that you don't know. This yeah, like she's not taking some it. eight-year-old kid's kidney and then right. saying, I'm not going to protect myself from COVID. She has a friend that's willing to give her the kidney. So, right. yeah, I was just curious because um, I think kidney recipients who are hearing that today probably have their opinions um, on both sides of that issue. Because uh, yeah. I'm sure you know, they do. If you like because when, when I got mine, um, you know, I still had to wear my mask for a while. Like I wore my, after my surgery, I wore my mask everywhere and I carried Lysol, like the little Lysol. <laughs> right. Because when people cough, I would spray. People would see me with my mask on and be like, oh, what's wrong with you? And they think that I got something. And I got into several arguments with people because I was saying, no, you can kill me. Exactly. 
Right. You know, because I was on like about 80 milligrams of prednisone at that oh time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you were very susceptible to getting sick. And that's yes. what people don't get. They don't understand that our immune systems are low and they need to be low. So before we end this interview, um, is there anything you would like to say to the, our listeners? Um, one thing that I would like to say is that as lupus warriors and family friends and loved ones of lupus warriors, we all need to come together. We really need to get together and do our part in order to find a cure. You can donate, you can walk at a lupus walk, you can volunteer at a lupus walk. And some things that people do not know at a lupus walk, you don't just have to walk. Mm -hmm. You can work the registration table where you're so there's you know, things for people to do that have horrible mobility. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, um, and with that being said, we just all need to do our part. That's mm -hmm. all. And be sympathetic and supportive of your lupus yes. in your life. Right. That, that's a must. They really right. need you. They count on you. They really need you. And I mean, it, we say on this uh, podcast that we're stronger together um, but we really mean that. And it's true. Like, look at what you've managed to accomplish with a group of women who are just so passionate about, you know, creating change enough for, for a cure to lupus. I mean, all it takes is one person to stand up and, and it's like a domino really, effect after that. Yeah. I'm really impressed. I am too. Like, I'm very impressed. impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You worked so hard to get. Yeah, You're a great now. example of what hard work can do. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. You definitely have a light that that, that shines bright because I can I can you know you're, you're so uplifting when you talk. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you? Where can our listeners uh, look you up if they want to find you on social media or elsewhere? Well, all of our uh, social media is at L S S Lupus. Okay. okay. So <laughs> on Facebook, Twitter, they just Facebook. looked that up. Okay. Yep. And our and website then, is the same www.lslupus.org. That's lsslupus.org. Awesome. All right. Oh, well, thank you so much for spending time with us, Lakasha. We really appreciate you being here. Hopefully, we can have you back sometime when maybe you're doing one of your um, events and let us know how that goes. Yes, maybe you could come. To I would love events. to do that. Right. I would love to <laughs> do where that. Where are you located? Where are you guys located again? I'm in I Detroit, am in... so I'm kind of close. Then okay, I'm, just, so I'm just outside Orlando, so. Oh, really? Because we do have an Orlando chapter and we're hopefully in the process of getting a Detroit chapter. So that is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, you okay. got your girls then. Yes. Awesome. Hey. Awesome. All one right, loopy so and one supporter. There we go. Right. Right. <laughs> thank you awesome. so much, so much for being here. And um, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, then. Thank you. Have a thank great you day. Having me. Bye. Bye-bye. Isn't she just great? I she just is. love I just love having her on. Um, what a wonderful advocate for lupus! It's it's awesome that there's people out there that care as much as she she does. It really is, and that she made a whole fraternity of it. And I know she really is a great advocate. So, what's the mantra for this week, Angie? 
You cannot get through a single day without having an impact on the world around you. What you do makes a difference and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. That's right. It's like, do what you can where you are with what you have, you know? Right. Right. So we hope that you all enjoyed this week's episode. And if you did get something out of it, please like, share, follow, or subscribe. Please, please. (laughs) All of our social media information will be announced in just a moment. Please join us next week for a brand new episode. You don't want to miss it. And until then, please remember that we are always stronger together. And thanks for listening. Mask up. Peace out, guys. Unified through chronic and mental illness can be found at anchor.fm slash unified. There you can find all social media links as well as other ways to listen.